Hello, and welcome to Better Than Wine Podcast with Sean and Riley. Riley and Sean. Yep, that's us. I reversed it today because we're talking about femininity. 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 That's a good idea. Phenomenomony. Yeah, I should have let you start. But actually, it's probably more of a... More, more feminine of you to allow me, the man, to be in. I don't think you have a good grasp on what femininity is. Nope, this is all you. Uh, I'm just kidding. But inherently, you do know more about femininity than femininity? I do. Femininity? <laughs> Womanhood. Oh, you said it right. <laughs> Anemone. We'll call this the Finding Nemo episode. So I'm going to have to say femininity a lot. Dang it makes me think of that, um, that meme father showed us a while ago. It was, uh, what was it? It was like a poster, like screening of Finding Nemo. Uh, hopefully they find Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that one? No. Okay. <laughs> I bet he still has it. Probably. Anyways. Uh... Should I have him send it to me and then I can post it in the Instagram yeah, stories? That's a good idea. Um, so, first things first, I'm a realist. Uh, and we're not drinking wine again because we did so long. Wait, hold on. Let me say a real sentence. Start over. Okay. Okay. It took us so long to do sound checks for this podcast because my voice is still weird, <laughs> recovering, uh, that it is now 10.04 at night, which I'm sure you guys hear that and you're probably like, this sounds like the time that you guys normally re- record podcasts. And you would be right about that. However, I realize that when it gets to a certain lateness... I get really sleepy when I drink wine, so I opted for an AHA sparkling caffeine water mango black tea flavored. Sean, what are you drinking tonight? Water. 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 I'm a quitter, so. No. Having water. It's fine. We do have a Mountain Dew. Yes. We we do have a Dew. We do a Dew. Without further ado. Mm-hmm. Except there will be more ado. Obviously. Between now and the Dew. Yes. Wow, I'm annoying myself. Good. Is this part of femininity? Anyways. Um. Yes. So... It's been a while. Uh, we announced some exciting things on Instagram. So if you're not uh, following us on Instagram, check it out. I also posted a super funny reel. I don't know if it's that funny, but... It was funny. Go watch it and then tell me if you think it's funny. Also, could you please fidget some more tonight? What's no. going on? You okay? No. You all jacked up on Mountain Dew? Not yet. Are you going to be? 
Hopefully not. <laughs> at, at what will be 11 o'clock at night? No. Um, yeah, so tonight we're talking about authentic femininity or womanhood. So our last episode was called Manhood. So for continuity purposes, this one will be called Womanhood. Right? Yes. Okay. The four elements, would that be the right word, of Mm. womanhood? Four callings? I think we used callings. Characteristics. Callings or roles. Yeah. That's how we just defined it. With a manhood thing. Yeah. It'll all come together. Just stick with us. Uh, So, the four key relationships, relationships, because that's how we talk about people, is in terms of how they relate to other people. Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Good. Uh, (laughs) So, your AI is learning. I know. <laughs> how to, how to interact I, sometimes with Sometimes I do feel like a, like one of those auto-writing robots. Is that AI? <laughs> hmm. Nope. <laughs> Maybe. I guess technically, well, it depends how it works. Know. It doesn't seem like AI. But it does learn from things, so I guess so it would be. So it would be, yeah. Learn. Yeah. It doesn't have an intellect. No, it doesn't. It tracks data and then... Yes. Creates a code. Right. Anyway. So it's artificial. You know what doesn't track data and create a code? I was going to say humans, but... That's what <laughs> that's a lot of humans made the do. Thing no. yeah. That does that. So, um... Anyway, every woman on earth is a daughter. So that's the first relationship. True. Um, Every person, just like every man on earth is a son, every woman on earth is a daughter, because every person comes from a set of parents, a.k.a. a mother and a father. Yes. That is how it works. Uh, And I think probably as we go through here, we'll kind of run into this where there's a lot of sort of shared things. Yes. But that even in the similarities of sonhood and daughterhood, it's important to realize there is still a difference. Mm -hmm. That it's not just... um, oh it's the same thing because both just means that we come from another um but it's they they are unique from each other too that's why we don't we don't just refer to you know the same like as just like child but we have son and daughter that are still separate separate but equal Mm, technically yeah i guess but sorry just has different (laughs) connotations so anyways um the role of daughter speaks to the uh gift 
that one is to their parents and to themselves. To themselves? Yeah. The gift that we receive in ourself, ourselves. God mm. made us. It was a gift. Right. Get over it. Yeah. You got it. Deal with it. Um. Yes. So I just want to apologize right now. I feel like I'm still dealing with like a little bit of brain fog from being sick. So if I seem unfocused, it's because I am. Deal with it. Nice. Uh, also, for the record, did not have COVID. I feel like I shouldn't have to disclaim that, but... I mean, you don't have to, so... Well... But you have. <laughs> it didn't have COVID. So here we are. That's great. So... I had the weirdest thing I've ever had. <laughs> anyway. Um, so. We are created as a gift. And. Parents. Are meant to receive the gift. True. Okay. Um, and then. We become. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Parents are meant to receive the gift. Thereby, we are a gift to others. Because, yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, can you clarify this point? Uh, what are we looking at? The last, uh, like, God wanted. Right. Um, I'm going to be honest, I'm not really sure what that means. Yeah, I definitely grabbed that just from somewhere else. But oh. um probably JP2 or derivative texts. Right. Uh Oh, I think it's meant to just be like the way that a father loves a daughter is, you know, supposed to be similar the same way that God oh. loves us. Okay. Um of just um, that. that unconditional love uh, and you know being someone who is just always there uh, right yeah, ideally right what uh, a father is called to be um, and where you know you have a daughter um, you know obviously it applies to sons and daughters again but again in sort of a unique way right and so yeah that's all is that even you know as um, okay I guess I'm gonna just also disclaimer real quick you don't get to disclaim I'm just constantly in a fog so he's in a fog because he had to like do a bunch of extra stuff when I was in a fog <laughs> like so i caused his fog every our house is just a fog, fog. no fog inception Fo- frog okay we probably shouldn't even be recording this podcast honestly because yeah, we're well. so like disoriented but it's, it's fine this is real life people it's better than nothing yeah. is it is i don't it? know i don't know it's better than wine a... is it someone the cupcake wine I think everything's better than the cupcake wine. I don't know. It's not that bad. It was passable. 
Yep. Okay. So the statement says... God wanted to love her into existence and give her everything without asking for anything. That sounds like it either came straight from JP2 or from the Ruah Woods Theology of the Body curriculum. Yeah. Which credit to them for writing beautiful sentences. Um, mm-hmm. But that does, okay. It kind of makes sense to me. Like, that, like, the daughter is a gift to the parents. Right. Therefore, loved into existence, she is a gift to herself. And then, like, there is an element of being a daughter in, like, an ordered fashion where, like, you are... You are gifted... To your parents, by your parents, and from them. So, like, you're receiving. Right. Okay. So, I think what this daughter element, the primary thing about it is the the gift aspect is really, like, wrapped up here. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Um... But I was going to look in the man and woman he created them for the word, well, in the index, which, by the way, I didn't know that it had an index until right now. Hmm. Yep. Um, I was going to look for the word daughter, but I don't think it's broken down quite that quite that much i think i'll find what i'm looking for in femininity yeah probably by the way femininity has like 20 references so that's it well specifically the word femininity feminine is referenced 40 times Uh, okay Oh, I'm sorry. Femininity is referenced 225 times. <laughs> oh. So it's well. a pretty key element. Yes. Um, as is masculinity. I didn't look at those numbers, but... Um, I'm sure they're pretty similar. Yes. This actually only lists 39 of the 225 times in the index. Wow. If you want masculinity and femininity mentioned together, you can see masculinity. Oh! Smart. Symbolism even in the index. Yep. Well, probably just like logistically made more sense to do it that way too. Maybe. Anyway. Um, yeah. So... First time he mentions femininity or feminine is in audience two. Okay. 
the last time he mentions it is in audience 132. Hmm. So I think we can agree that this is an overarching theme. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I think so. I think that's all we have to say about daughterhood. Daughterhood. Yeah. Also, I've decided I'm going to design a hoodie. Okay. That says daughterhood. <laughs> nice. Thanks. You can also make sunhood. No. Alright. John Paul too, clearly Look. by his number of references declares that women are the superior. Are you telling me that you don't want to see your son wearing a sunhood hoodie with little pockets? Okay, I would see that kid wear any hoodie, first of all. <laughs> I know. Well maybe not any hoodie. Yeah. Not that one goat hoodie that that one kid wore into faith formation that one time. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's always questionable attire. It's faith formation. Faith formation. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. I'll do sunhood. Um. But only for Caspian. I was gonna say really quick. Just, yeah. I think too with like, just specifically sunhood and daughterhood, kind of both at the same time uh it's really something i think best understood mm-hmm. when you experience it firsthand as a parent yeah that even though we all grow up as either a son or daughter in some way um being on sort of the other side of it observation side yeah i think makes it a lot more uh real a lot more uh understandable it's like i don't know i think just like talk about it and it's one thing and then you know for the most part you might think of yourself and like how you are a son or daughter to somebody and i don't know like it i feel like it's hard to get the full kind of effect and grasp the whole meaning of it just in yourself i think you can really really understand the at least the part of like a son or daughter being a gift to others Mm -hmm. when you are receiving that gift um but i think it's hard to understand um fully when you haven't experienced that like i think you still can obviously kind of like get the point but when you like see it and live it firsthand i think you you really understand it um just in a whole different way it's definitely beneficial i think that you're right and like i wouldn't necessarily like i don't want to say like reduce it to parenthood but like if you're participating in the raising of children mm-hmm. via parenthood or your profession or other means yeah and that's true too because like you know even if you're I like definitely a, say to different degrees right like yeah yeah for sure um yeah but i i think it's just when you are the parent of someone 
it just takes on a whole different meaning than you could have understood before, even if you were, you know, taking care of other people's children, you know, like every day, it's still something different. Um, like, you know, like for me, I think it's a pretty good example, uh, as someone who did not really hardly have any, uh, you know, experience caring for children or anybody, you know, like younger than myself. Humans. Um, not, yeah. And as you know, like I've never even like held a baby (laughs) really before our own daughter. Uh, and that moment when they first, you know, put (laughs) our children in my arms, like for both of them it was different for each of them but it's still kind of that same thing where it's like okay like this is different like the this is just something I never could have comprehended fully and I still don't now but like I couldn't even like wrap my mind around it until living it I don't know at, at least my experience Cool. All right. Yes. Thanks. Not <laughs> cool. I just like, right. I don't know. Uh, maybe I haven't even had like an experience. I haven't had an experience like that. Uh, I just got caught up in listening to you talk about that. And then I just was thinking how like not with it I was. So, cool. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else to add about daughterhood, sonhood, daughterhood? No. Let's move on. Let's move on. Um. I just need you to know that. I am going to need a tissue. Okay. Do you you want me to get them? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. All right, introduce the next. I'm introducing it, but I just didn't want anyone to be surprised or think that things had changed that much because I do still need a tissue. And we bought more tissues. So, hooray, as Bentley says. And Caspian too now. Does he say her right now? Yeah. I haven't heard that one yet. Oh yeah. Huh. Yeah. You go hooray. Hooray. What a guy. Yep. Oh, so cute. It's stupid. It is. Is that the thing you were talking about? Mm, not exactly. <laughs> Alright. He's like in a category of his own anyway, so... Sisterhood. Of the traveling pigeons. Now, what I did find interesting is that, like... Well, okay. What? That was a great reference. Was it? I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Book title points to you. Oh, is it a book? It is. I thought it was a movie. No, it was a book for a long time. Oh. 
Is that not anymore? <laughs> Ever since Fahrenheit Fair 51. <laughs> nice stroke, Pam. Uh, all right. Are you happy? I got an office reference that in for good. you. That was Excellent. Yep. Oh, I feel a little bit like my moment was stolen, but it's fine. Stole your wind. Stole my thunder. My thunder. Uh, okay. Sisterhood. Sisterhood. One of the things I find interesting about this is that I didn't note brotherhood as a male element. Yeah, pretty sure we talked about it. Did we? Oh, man. Maybe not, but I think so. Anyway, well, we're not talking about men this week we're anymore. Not. No so. more men. Agreed. The world would be a better place without men. Never again. Oh no. Somebody's gonna clip that into like a one second sound bite and just smear us on the internet. Please yeah, don't do that. We didn't talk about men as brothers. Oh, so I was right. Yeah, good job. You see a woman? Uh-huh. That's not alright. Go on. Uh sisterhood. So <clears throat> This refers mostly to, um, to put it simply, and then we'll go into more detail that you have noted here. It's like a, a woman's ability to relate to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I want to say about this is if you feel like you don't relate to other people well, we're not, it's not really like a, you relate to everyone well. It's a, I, I bet if you think about it. There are a couple of people that you are a support system for. Yeah. Um, also, just to interject quickly, uh, just all of yes, uh, that's what I am. So sorry, that's how I work. Uh, but that all of these things, what we talked about last time in the manhood one, and this time with womanhood, that all of the like. So obviously, like, the titles of these roles are specific to each, but the individual characteristics that make them up, I mean, depending on the person, they're not just, like, exclusive to either men or women. That it's, you know, it can be sort of a little bit... We're all dynamic, interwoven, complex people. Right, and so that's what this is meant to be, sort of in general. Right. So just to say that, so people aren't like, well, I know uh, men who can relate to people better than some women. God literally made us to be in communion with one another. Yes, but that's what, like, here, talking about this, it's different than that like it's more than that yeah i mean we talked last time can't say last week that was like three weeks ago (laughs) um we we talked about this in the manhood episode how like your vocation is unique to you your story that god has written for you how it plays out is unique and that's going to look different and there's going to be some more predominant characteristics and and uh, gifts that come through, then there might be 
in others. Um, so, but when we talk about sisterhood, we're talking about like, being a sister to people, being a support system. Um, I really like, I don't, I mean, I think it's kind of cheesy, but the thing that's coming to mind right now is there's this like meme on, that I've seen, uh, and it says, like, why do we ask pe- uh, people to pray for us? Or, like, why do we pray for each other? And it's three little stick people, and they're carrying, like, a log, and then they walk across a, like, chasm, basically. And it's basically implying, like, two of the people are praying for the one who's over the chasm. Mm-hmm. And bas- it's holding them up. Because they're holding on to the pole. The Right. Thing. And then as they walk across, it's like a different one is over the chasm mm-hmm. at different times. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that could be a really good visual for uh, sisterhood. But also, there's like an additional element to that that I do think kind of makes us unique from men um which is the desire not to say again not to say that men don't do this but it's definitely like less frequent and less in in depth of the desire to really like truly know another person Mm -hmm. and to find out information about them just for the sake of knowing them not for the sake of like, I feel like sometimes when men ask questions, they want information so that they can solve a problem mm-hmm. or address something or uh, facilitate an idea or, or some for some purpose. Right. Where as women will just like ask questions because they want to know about you. And the information is likely not particularly useful. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think that, uh, I, again, in general, adds up. But yeah, men, it's like, it like sounds kind of bad when you say it. It's like, yeah, we don't generally, again, care <laughs> about, like, you know, what did you, what did you do last, last week? You know, what, what was that like for you? You know, it's like... Is that how you think women talk to each other? Yes. (laughs) In my experience, yes. Um, But like you said, it's always more like action-based. Like I need information to make a decision about something. (laughs) That is part of the like worker Mm -hmm. calling of men to be problem solving to be innovative and and working towards a goal at all times mm-hmm. and i don't think there's anything wrong with that when we have conflict regarding these differences i think is a result of the fall where like you always hear like I don't want him to fix it. I just want him to listen. 
And it's mm-hmm. like, what you're yearning for is... Like, you wouldn't need the fix it or the listening necessarily without the fall. What you're yearning for there is fulfilled in sisterhood. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that spouses shouldn't listen yeah. to their significant others. Right. Their spouses. Spouses shouldn't listen. Anyway. Yes. So. Um. We want to use. Not use the information. I don't like to use the word use. Right. Because it. To me. Use. It is like use. Utilitarianism. Right. Um. But they want. The information we, I should say we, because I'm guess. part of this group. Yeah. Um, generally, women desire information so that they can relate to the other person, draw into a deeper, supportive relationship, uh, and love that person that they're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, this is often, and it's ordered that it's demonstrated in a sister or even a close friend how uh, how women relate to their siblings um, and love them and kind of like draw them closer to holiness ideally Mm -hmm. anything you want to add about that um no not really because i think i mean I think that explains it pretty well. There's not, at least off the top of my head, not a whole lot more to um, kind of like drill into that. Just like, you know, like you said, um, it, it's about like sort of that relational nature that, and, and it's very. Um, not self-focused or I don't want to say selfish, but where it's, it's really, um, in like sisterhood, like a a woman's ability to, um, not really focus on herself. Um, but to be able to, um, really sort of be able to, uh, listen to another person and like under and like know more about them like you said just for the sake of knowing them better yeah for sure and i think one of the things that you just said um is that like reiterated about like not using the information for anything in particular and i think that's not to say that women don't use in a utilitarian sense um, or in a selfish way Uh, but I would I think it would be obvious but I'll go ahead and say it anyway that that would be a result of the fall this disordered desire to use information to tear down other women um, is is definitely it's I mean look at it it's a clear distortion of 
this calling of sister. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. True. All right. Okay. So, the next calling... Calling? Is... Sorry, I lost my place. Um, bride. So the, the 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 other thing that we're kind of doing here is following a progression, like a timeline. So a woman starts as a daughter, and secondarily to that is the sisterhood. A relationship grows. Um, there's obviously biological sisterhood, but also like emotional sisterhood and communal aspects like what we just talked about um and bride is the one that people always take issue with at least when i'm talking to them bride uh and and mother uh which is the last one we'll talk about in a minute but uh yes women were created to be a bride we don't mean that every woman was created to be married mm-hmm. to a man. What? What? <laughs> you just made a, like, what? Well, uh, as I, uh, I... I feel like my emphasis was weird, but we don't mean that every woman was created to be married. Um, because obviously, uh, as... Catholics, we have consecrated religious who are not married, and we certainly do not shun that vocation at all. Um, but even they who are living that vocation have a um, a calling to this bridehood. I guess, yeah. Uh. Bridal ship? Bride ship? Bride ship. Mm-hmm. I really don't know. I think it's bride ship. Okay. Anyway. And that calling is to... is I, I feel like very similar to daughter, but just in like a different way. Like the manifestation of it is different. Yeah. In that like you're called to be... Um loved and cherished and and sacrificed for Mm -hmm. and so you can see that obviously in marriage is if it's lived as it's intended um but also in the consecrated vocation you do have this aspect of brideship you're loved and cherished and sacrificed for by god himself jesus christ right yeah, but that's not, yeah, that's, it's not something that is lost if you're not, like, literally married to someone, that you can still, you still live out right. that, um, that calling just in different ways. Well, and I think, like, I want to talk to the women who are in limbo for a second, because... I still think that calling is there 
even when you're not actively living one of those two vocations that we just mentioned of a married woman or consecrated religious, I think that when you're in a period of discernment, it's even maybe even more important to recognize this calling of of brideship, as I'm going to call it, because uh, this is a time for the Lord to love you and guide you and and to, for you to really like devote your life to him in a way that allows him to lead you either to the path of consecrated religious or sacramental marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind of said starting into this that even though we're going sort of like a generally it's like a timeline progression um that there is no like set timeline for how this all works um and so that's why it doesn't um it's not some sort of like set in stone you know thing where you know you um need to like accomplish these things in a certain order necessarily and like you know you can still live this out even without you know having that figured out you know what your vocation is yeah yes um and i would love to hear from women who like spent an extended period of time in discernment Mm -hmm. or maybe are still doing that i personally like i don't have a lot of experience i feel like i squandered my time of discernment prior to meeting you oh not like yeah I mean, we set out on the sacrament of vocation pretty soon after we met, so... um, Yeah. (laughs) I did not recognize and lean into this calling until my sacramental pursuit. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I think that... I would love to hear some of the ways that um, women have recognized this calling in their life when it wasn't specifically, like, calling them to a a permanent vocation. Um, And, like, I'm sure there are other women out there who are kind of, like, wondering how, how can I do this or what can I do? Um, it could just be good to connect. There I go, sisterhooding again. Yep. (laughs) You're sitting there like, ah, okay. Yeah. No, I mean, it would be interesting to hear because, uh, pretty similar to yourself. Not a whole, like, long, drawn-out time of discernment for me either. Even though I, I definitely... 
there were definitely more years discerning yeah uh what like i felt called to before meeting you it was there definitely was some serious discernment there but um popehood right yeah that wasn't a a, a calling from god <laughs> we'll say. Uh, your mom's calling <laughs> She says you're going to be the first pope. Yeah. First, first pope. <laughs> Just call me Peter. <laughs> uh. No. <clears throat> there was a time when <clears throat> she was called to be the first American pope. The first American pope. Now I'd have to be the first North American pope. Yes. You have to get more specific. Mm-hmm. But you can't because you're married. Right. Yep. So maybe I have squandered my discernment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if you told your mom that you wanted to be the first American Pope now, she would smack you. Yeah. Well, yeah, it'd be really dumb to say that I wanted, and I, I never really wanted that. <laughs> also, shout out to Sean's mom. For not being pushy about vocations, because some yeah. moms totally are. Yep. No, my parents were both really helpful. Yeah. With my own vocation, and I and mean the fact that they, I think, um, just like obviously, I, like pushed is the wrong word, but like gave me the, I mean, give me the ability, but like. T- you know tell me and like work with me that you know priesthood is a real vocation right not to just even though i think uh i would guess probably somewhat selfishly there was an uh desire for grandchildren <laughs> as uh so you've seen how that's worked out but um i think it's selfish i, I think there would have been some sadness if that weren't a possibility but i think they i think either way you know I, just just the way that you mean there I would have been some sadness if you hadn't produced an heir no not not even that i mean grandchildren, grandchildren an, heir. an heir to what <laughs> to um the bostonian accent well that's that was lost with me so <laughs> i don't know but Anyways, yeah, I think that, you know, at least personal experience, uh, I had a really, really good, um, you know, like actual kind of serious discernment where I definitely was not pushed one way or the other. Um, And it was just kind of laid out that both are viable. You weren't pushed one way or the other until like the end. Even then, I wasn't, I mean... Sean, I know you're going to meet someone this year. That was different. That was a nudge. <sighs> not really. That just made me it not want to like meet a, anyone. <laughs> wow, thanks. Well. Sean, I know you're going to meet then, someone. Enter Riley. Yep, like a month later. Yeah. I remember you didn't want me to phone meet your parents yeah. Because you were like, she's just going to say I told you so. Mm-hmm. But 
I think this is a perfect segue into motherhood. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Feminine mm. genius, the unique ability of a woman to care for the people entrusted to them. Per John Paul II's Mulieris Dignitatum. Yep. The dignity of women. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Again, please note that it didn't say the unique ability of a woman to care for the people that she births. Mm-hmm. Like, nope. The unique ability of a woman to care for the people entrusted to her. Right. And that looks so different. Yep. There's a lot of a lot of different ways that that looks. Yeah. For sure. It makes me think of of my assistant who's just like taken on such a mm-hmm. role with me of like caring. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it, but like Yeah. Really I in a way it has become a mother to me. Um and how she like checks up on me when mm-hmm. I'm sick and makes sure that I have food mm-hmm. and I eat and uh, obviously like picks up our kid from school yeah um so yep and I think too like yeah, just another thing that came to my mind is um and I don't know maybe this isn't normal but I just think of when I was growing up and like, um, like friend, different like friend groups. And in my case was like our class, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there'd be people who'd be like the mom of the group. You know what I mean? That they'd be like always looking out for everybody and like, Uh, should we give a shout out uh, to your high school mom of the group and your college mom of the group? Who are they? Do you know? I want to guess. Okay. Who do you think for high school? Um, the mom of the group obviously is a female. Yes, all the guys were too dumb to ever. Well, that's <laughs> take not on a, that. Role. We don't have the motherhood. Yes. Calling. Uh, wait. I know both of these people, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. For sure. Uh, Laura. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, and Liz. Mm-hmm. You got it. Nailed it. Yep. So, shout out to Laura and Liz. <laughs> if you... Where, wherever you are just, in the ether. The ether. <laughs> Good. The ethernet. No. The metaverse. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, that's so true. They were both very protective of you, also. Yep. They're like, slid into my DMs so fast. What are your intentions with Sean? <laughs> they didn't say that. Basically, though. Uh, yep. Good good women, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. So, yeah, a lot of ways that motherhood is lived out. Yeah, I mean, that was like high school and college. Mm-hmm. Those... Those women slash... Those girls slash women, they're mothers now. Yep. Sure are. But they weren't then. Nope. 
Sure weren't. Short. Sh- should. <laughs> short, maybe. <laughs> Provided. Provode. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah. It's, it's true. There's a lot of different ways. Um, mm-hmm. And... And, you know, just, like, that also just makes you think, like, that's part of, you know, outside, like, the legal workings, that's sort of what gives legitimacy to, you know, like, an adoptive mother. Yeah. Um, That, you know, again, that that Mm. child she adopts is, you know, again, not just legally, but really becomes her child. She becomes the mother of that child, um, even though she didn't give birth to the child you know, not like biologically a mother, but like in actual reality is the mother to that child. That's really interesting. I have not thought about, yeah, that's really beautiful. Thanks. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. I knew you would. (laughs) I do. That's, That's part of why I wanted to share that. But again, I don't know where that came from, so whatever. No, but it's so true, because, like, if, 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 like, your friend in high school can take on a, a mother role, uh, not even a role, just like a, I guess, kind of. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, that relationship can totally be formed kind of anywhere. I mean, we just talked about like four different ways i think that we've seen women fulfill that that role of mother to us obviously your mother Mm -hmm. my assistant your high school and college friends uh and like this adoptive aspect and i think that's just so true Mhm. Me too. Um So, let's talk about this aspect of motherhood that is life-giving cuz we've kind mm-hmm. of talked about how like mothers are supporting and they're like caring and kind of self-sacrificial um and they have that ability to care for another person that's been entrusted to them but they also have a unique ability to kind of co-create mm-hmm. um so yeah which is um obviously this runs parallel to fatherhood uh, in some senses of like creating an actual literal human being right but I think kind of what I think you're getting at here is that it's uh, obviously a much sort of more unique and special way that a mother participates in you know this new life being created mm-hmm. um and I, that's pretty just 
undeniable, it's that truth, <laughs> that, um, you know, what uh, a woman who, right, is, you know, in giving life mm-hmm. to the, uh, another person, like, what that entails, uh, really, it, it does just kind of sum up motherhood, I think, in, in general, and all these other ways we've been talking about motherhood, uh, that, you know, the way that, um, an actual you know, biological mother is sort of sacrificing so much of herself mm-hmm. for you know the sake of someone else and again like the reason why you know women will um, will have or will want to have more than one child after the first even though they went through all that uh, you know incredible <laughs> hardship suffering suffering, pain uh and just to do it all over again something i as a man cannot fully fathom (laughs) uh but it's pretty cool though um but uh again and just think again doing all of this for the sake of another person Mm. uh and again, to knowing right that the reason in like how, the way that it works is that you're all of this is to care for this other person to help them grow, uh, and you know once they're born, then to continue to take care of them, um, and to do that over again, like, over and over again in a lot of cases, right. Yeah, definitely. It's, um... I think that when we talk about this aspect of motherhood, it's so vital to pay attention to the biological aspect of, like, what happens between a woman and her child in the process of this, uh, like, life giving act of like conceiving bearing sorry conceiving gestating and then uh, yeah. birthing a child right um sorry i wanted to like specifically emphasize the like growth period the gestation yeah because like very often i mean i think as a person who's grown two whole humans, uh, that period of grow like gestation, to me is like more inconvenient and more agonizing, and and stressful in the long run. Like looking back, than the actual like. What, like two or three days of labor right and yeah birth slash abdominal surgery right um but the 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 like chemical reactions that take place during the whole time like you're saying to like do it over again mm. and that like the bonding chemicals and the like Basically, the chemicals that make you forget. Yeah. 
um, the oxytocin and, and the dopamine and everything that like works together to create kind of this perfect storm of, of like love inducing drugs. Yeah. Is amazing. And like, I think it speaks. So like theology, of the body in its essence is like theology is the study of God and theology of the body is the study of God as is revealed through our bodies and our relationship with him as revealed through our bodies. And I think like that alone, this aspect of that like storm of hormones and chemicals tells us so much about who we were created to be. Mm -hmm. Like God has literally created in each of us when we're functioning properly this like brain reaction in our mothers to create unconditional love for us like the instant that we are placed in her arms and even before I would argue like Mm -hmm. from the moment of our conception there is a tie there now, that's not to say, like, it can't be influenced by outside circumstances, obviously. Mm-hmm. But in its purest form, a mother and her baby are so, like, interconnected. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it reveals for us... The kind of love that God has for us. The fact that he kind of, like, like this is the, the beginning of, of every person's life existence mm-hmm. is marked by this unconditional interwoven relationship of mother and child, mother and son, or mother and daughter. Right. And, like, in such a unique way that masculinity cannot mm-hmm. uh, um, can't, yeah, copy repeat, yeah, it. Yeah, I can't copy it. Like, it can attempt to imitate it or, like, but it's it falls short yeah. it, of of this mark. And that's not to say... Like, it's less than, it's just different. Mm-hmm. And that difference is so good because mm-hmm. um, there's, like, such a providing aspect of the male calling. Right. Mm-hmm. That, like, yeah. Yeah, that's what it kind of makes me think of. Um, that's kind of what you kind of, like, were culminating to there uh was what i was thinking about pretty much that whole time (laughs) your time is like that the fact that like this whole process of you know again conceiving growing birthing a child that is all on this you know each individual woman doing that um you know it's like yeah you have people around you to help you but the actual like 
growing of the child is all on you. <laughs> like yeah. nobody can like take that away. Um, or like help it. <laughs> right. You know, I can't just be like, here, let me take the baby for a day. <laughs> right. Like once the baby's born, like conception and birth mm-hmm. can be assisted with. Obviously, conception is necessary. Like needs another person. Right. And then after birth, you could easily like hand the baby to the dad or somebody else, even if it's just for a minute. Mm-hmm. But you can't stop carrying the child inside your womb. Right. Which, again, just kind of like you were saying, it's like when we think about theology of the body, how that is um, in a lot of ways, sort of a a sign for us mm. of God's love of each of us that you know it's like he has chosen to create each one of us and again that that's on him alone yeah. uh, and then always right because he's God working for our good out of his love for us mm-hmm. um, that that never stops and he will you know eventually right he does whatever it um, he can to help us to be with him. Um, and again, even at great sacrifice to himself and see that ultimately in Jesus, um, you know, sacrificing his very self yeah. for us. Um, you know, again, it's kind of that has that same similarity uh, to motherhood of, you know, so much sacrifice uh, on your own part, right, just for your child, right, is that same kind of love that God has for uh, each of us to, again, help us yeah. grow in a way to the point that we can eventually, you know, be in heaven with him. Yeah. And, like, there this aspect of like giving so much and like kind of relating it back to Jesus and the self-sacrificial love but in the same way that God gives us so much and really doesn't ask anything in return Mm -hmm. like he gives it to us and then he so he gives us free will and we squander it Mm -hmm. and then he gives us everything but we remain in that state that gift of free will with the ability to choose like he doesn't require anything of us in the same way that like a mother gives her life to her child before she even really knows her child and like who they will be and who they might become Mm -hmm. not knowing how long that child will be with her Mm-hmm. But, like, giving everything and asking nothing in return. Um, maybe until the end of her life, if the child could then take care of her in old age. Right. Um, yep. But, yes, I think that... Uh, We've already talked 
not so explicitly, but I'll just reiterate that we have talked about kind of this spiritual aspect of motherhood, that it's not just physical and biological. Um, and just like with sisterhood, m women are naturally attentive to the needs of other people around them. And that I think the way that... Um, that information is handled is kind of what shows us either the motherhood or the sisterhood. Like with sisterhood, there's like a lot of solidarity and empathy and, and support. But with motherhood, there's, um, it's like more of a nurturing, like mm -hmm. healing the wounds kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, attention? Yeah. It, does that make sense? Like, the differentiation I'm trying to draw? Yeah, being like a caretaker. Yeah, yeah, Versus exactly. like a, I don't want to say a commiserator, but... Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. Right. You got it. Thanks. <laughs> I like to think I know a little bit about being a woman. I hope so. Um, okay. Now we have to put in our disclaimer here about how the church does not teach that women are lesser than men. I feel like if you listen to anything prior to this point in the episode, then you know this. Yeah, hopefully. Because being a woman is pretty great, and the church really... Like, in her theology and her history, reveres women. Um, yeah. I think people who don't know the church that well, it's pretty easy to ignore that and say, well, like, oh, the church must hate women yeah. because they don't let women be priests. And, right. uh, you know, they always say that men are superior to women, like, you know, people right. like look at Ephesians chapter five. Like women have to be subordinate to their husbands because they're lesser. Like no, that's not. Don't even get me started on that. It's not what's happening. But it's kind of funny because it's like just because women aren't like at the forefront of of the attention focal point. Yeah. Which. Is a misperception also because yes. that priests shouldn't be the focal point. It's Jesus, right? Um, in in the mass, yeah. but one thing I want to say about like the like structure of the church and like women's role in the church is that you wouldn't say that the director is less important than the actors just because he's never on screen, right? Mm -hmm. um, it takes all of us in a community and this communion of the church, the body of Christ mm -hmm. for the church to function. Um, and just like we said with men, this difference doesn't make one or the other lesser. Mm -hmm. It's we're different and that's good. Right. Because uh, if we were all the same, it would be really bad. It would, for a lot of reasons. Yes. You had 
a thing you wanted to say about biblical women? <laughs> no, just to like point out that like you were already kind of saying that in the teaching and tradition of the church that mm-hmm. um, there are many, many examples of uh, women that we look to uh, as uh, an example for us that we look to as sort of um, let's see like you know who sort of lived like sort of heroic lives of virtue for us to sort of imitate um, and how right that we see them do these things in, a, in, in so many examples in the church and even specifically in just in the Bible and you know within the lives of the saints um, that these women um, mostly what we're you know, um, like exemplifying in them what we're, you know, trying to, um, I just, I keep like coming to the word like idolize, but that's not what I want to say. Um, uh, sort of the, venerate. Yeah. So yeah. Like venerate that what we venerate them for is, you know, this, virtue that they live out and again in a lot of cases some sort of heroic um you know like a moment they may have had or something uh but where they're always sort of living out their uh, womanhood in some way again just sort of in in an exemplary way Mm -hmm. um of either you know being either usually a um, bride or mother, um, but even sometimes as a daughter uh, or a sister, also uh, just lots of examples of all of these um, I throughout would the say, church. First of all, kudos to you to not giving me any sort of opening to make a joke about sola scriptura. Yeah, I had to shut that down. Yeah. Um, shut it down. Secondly, any female saint. canonized or part of our tradition you know what i'm saying female saints yeah have lived out this calling of femininity in some unique way Mm -hmm. that the church has given her to us as an example Mm -hmm. and one that comes to mind right now because of my socks. Oh, yeah. That's who I was thinking of, too. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I expressly thought you weren't thinking of Joan of Arc, just based on what you were saying. Right. I think she is a great example. Because I think a lot of people think of her as, like, well, didn't she kind of live out sort of masculine virtues? It's like, no. but. No. She owned, she led, she, like, sacrificed, and I would really need to read more on her, hmm. like, more specifically. Yeah. Because I feel like I only know the generic information, but I have these oh. cool socks, so. Mm-hmm. And Benny loves Joan. Yes, she does. So. Very yeah. much. Um, 
but like yeah right we're yeah so like she was I, I mean the way I look at it is kind of taking on sort of like a maternal role for really all of France <laughs> in her life where she has like she loved her country so much nothing in return yeah so much so that they then burned her at the stake well i don't know if it was them yeah it was it's like a it's a controversy it's complicated yeah because the church (laughs) was totally involved in her martyrdom right yeah but anyways she still obviously you know lived out her call mm-hmm. um just again in a way that like tr- traditionally seems more masculine and again what she was made fun of and ridiculed in her life a lot for mm-hmm. so but overcoming that anyways because again she knew what she was doing yeah anyway for sure yeah and then just really quick the other example yes that came to my mind too and that saint john paul ii liked to talk about a lot too um because i believe he canonized her i could be wrong about this i mean you could there's like, a pretty throw good a pebble yeah. and hit a saint that john paul ii canonized right um but i think of uh saint Gianamola. yes he did yeah so I was, I was pretty also, sure she died while he was pope yeah right and then like her family was also there i think yeah her daughter's still alive right yeah and like other members of her family yes her daughter's a doctor right yeah so yep gianna jr i don't actually know if that's her name i think it is though oh okay. i think her name is gianna nice um Real quick, shall we revisit the two women that we brought up at the top of this episode? Yeah, sure. Do you recall? I do. um, So Mary is the perfect exemplification of all of these characteristics. Yeah, and just like in all of humanity in general, not just women, like of people who are just one thing, people who are purely and only human, so just in not, not in a Jesus. not in a negative way but to exclude jesus <laughs> since he is also completely god hashtag exclude not just jesus. completely man also completely god um but mary is like the single most important person to live and the catholic church recognizes that you could know you, could you be more specific it's like being the mother of god and taking on that role. Yes. Um, kind of and the bride uniquely of the, Holy Spirit, the spouse of the spirit. Yes. Kind of sets her apart from the daughter the rest of, of the father. humanity. You know, as I'm sure you have heard before and are familiar with the terms of when we talk about the uh, worship that is due to the saints and to God, right? That you have the worship that's due to the saints. The word for that is dulia. Mm-hmm. To Mary, it is hyperdulia. She's in a category all of her own. <laughs> she is the only one who is hyperdulia. Yes. Who is due hyperdulia. Right. 
You're just pulling out some Latin? Greek? What is that? I think it's Latin. I don't know. Hyper is Greek, though, I think. I could be wrong about that. No, I don't think so. But the church likes to use a solid mix of Latin and Greek in their theology. Just depends, yeah. So. Uh, Eve. But yeah, then there's Eve. Who nobody calls the old Mary. Instead, Mary is the new Eve. Anyways. Old Mary. Yeah. Beta Mary. Yes. But. No, she was the pinnacle. Eve? Yeah, of creation. Yeah, until she messed up. Not until. It's just she was the pinnacle and then creation was done. Part two, she messed up. Mm, Okay. Still the pinnacle. Yeah. You can't, like, get de-pinnacled. She she unpinnacled herself, (laughs) I think is the way to put it. Um, That just gave me, like, Alice in Wonderland imagery of her, like, falling down the the rabbit hole. The rabbit hole, yeah. I feel like that's a pretty apt description for most of our conversations. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Um, Anything else to say about Eve? Uh. Mm, no, not really. I mean, except for right, the relation that you is drawn between her and Mary. Oh yeah, I still need to put that picture in our Instagram story. Okay, that's fine. You can do that. Um. But yeah, like basically looking at Mary as the, I'm trying to think of the right word, but sort of like the fulfillment, the, the completion, the, what are you trying uh, to say? Like womanhood, like Mary is the. Um, perfection like the perfection where eve um she tried and she failed right as the first woman i mean just as adam as the first man also failed but right so again not to just but we have jesus focus as on one. the perfect yes example mm-hmm. and if that's too high to shoot you go for saint joseph that's true yep probably get in trouble for saying that one but why i don't know someone's always mad about something you know i guess joseph's still a solid example though it's hard to yeah you know d- deny that if you're a quieter man just kidding <laughs> <laughs> jesus talked a lot all right <laughs> i should be careful wow <laughs> yeah it's i mean dangerous. he did because that was literally his <clears throat> I don't want to say purpose, but like yeah, but mission. That, he didn't. He didn't come down here just to not talk to us about the things he needed to tell us, wanted to tell us. Good, right? Yeah. All right. Final thoughts. Thought, thought for, for your, your thoughts. thoughts. It's amazing <laughs> we still have regular listeners. 
Do we? Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, we'll find out after this. <laughs> I know. Um, Not if we keep taking three-week breaks between podcast episodes. Well, that's life. If Sean hadn't punched me in the throat, punched, punched, <laughs> my nose got, well, got like stuffed up in well, the middle of that word, punched. From punching you in the nose. <laughs> he didn't. I thought she was a shark. All right. Would you punch a shark in the nose? Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. What? Yeah. You never seen Jaws? No. No. Obviously not. No. Well. Anyway. I don't know that that's from Jaws. Anyway. Uh, do we have a Mountain Dew? Do the Dew? Do we do? <laughs> we do the Dew. Yes. <laughs> to your question. Thank you. So I'm gonna go get that. All right. Go get the Dew. Brew. I, I will do. I do. Adieu. <laughs> Without further ado. I bid you adieu. I will do the announcements. Which are that, again, if you haven't checked our Instagram, I guess they're on Facebook too. Sean and I did a couple of brief videos while we were out, uh, kind of giving some updates. So stay tuned. For those bonus contents happening, I'm actually recording some bonus content right after this episode is done being recorded. So that will be super awesome. Uh, follow us on the socials. Please tell your friends about our podcast if you like it and you think they would like it. Uh, if you don't think they would like it, tell them about it anyway and then they'll know for sure tell your daughters your sisters your wives and your mothers <laughs> your brothers your sons your fathers and your workers, workers. <laughs> sure tell your workers that's fine tell, tell your workers that's um fine. yeah okay awesome good yep all right let's go i'm talking about mountain dews baby I cannot believe you just did that. What? I wanted to pop the tab in the microphone of my soda no, earlier, I'm and you sorry. were all like, you can't do it, and you just did it. I'm sorry. Also, for the record, I know what this Mountain Dew is because I bought it. Yeah. And so I didn't close my eyes. So there's no secret I except for the actual taste. less exciting. This is called, it's pink, mm-hmm. and it's called Mountain Dew Spark. Um, it's dew with a blast of raspberry lemonade. And if I don't like it, I'm going to be wildly disappointed. And, um, I'll just say that about 90% of the label, uh, makes it look like caution tape wrapped around a crime scene. It does. So, <laughs> hope that's not indicative. Does it have caffeine in it? Mountain Dew. I'm all Mountain sure. Dew has caffeine, doesn't it? Not all of it. It says most. 91 milligrams per 20 ounces. Wow. That's a lot. Is that this whole bottle? Um, yes. Yeah. All right. Ready? Go ahead. I can't really smell things still. Well, just taste it. It does smell sweet, though. Okay. It's one of the few things I've been able to smell. Hmm. 
Just one question. Mm-hmm. Why do they have to put the Mountain Dew flavor in all oh, of the Dews? That's what makes it Mountain Dew. Let me see. I do not like it. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> raspberry lemonade. Yeah. It's dew with a blast of raspberry I lemonade. I know. So that's why. Why do they have to do that? You're yeah. trying Mountain Dew now? I, I haven't, I've never it? tried this one. Really? No. I've oh. never even heard of it. But that's what, like... It's not, like, the worst of the Mountain Dews. It would be better without the dew in it. Right. Just make raspberry lemonade. Just make, like, mountain raspberry lemonade. Just no dew. People would be like, what happened to dew? Did dew die? Did dew die? We got divorced, Michael. Yeah... Do you think it would taste different if I didn't have dental work done today? I do. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. My mouth is still kind of numb on one side. That's not good. Probably get that checked out. <laughs> it's been like seven hours. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. It's... I want to like it. Like, my brain is like, you like raspberry lemonade. But it's not raspberry lemonade. But I don't like the dew. Yeah. I still like Voltage. Yeah. For what it's worth. Yep. Um, I would rank this higher than Rip Roar or whatever it was. <laughs> rip, rip, Rick Roll? Me, no. R- Probably Rip Roar. Rip, uh... Sounds like a Mountain Dew flavor. What was the one with the lion? No roar. Tantrum. No. Where's the lid? I don't know. What? Give me the lid. What lid? For the oh, for I, the dew. You're asking for the the no rip roar lid. That's like I don't know no. what that is. Uproar. 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 That was the worst um, of them. Yeah, it was up dog. Um, what's up dog? <laughs> nothing. Nothing much. Are you okay? No. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, another plan perfectly executed. (laughs) We're going to go now. If you want to know about my socks. (laughs) What? I mentioned my socks, but it's not like I provided a visual. That's true. Not video recording again. Because we're still not set up. So if you want to know about my socks, check the stories. I'll just put them in stories. Yeah. I think they're cool. And I made them. Mm-hmm. So proud. Yep. If you like saints and you wear socks, Saint they're socks for you. Are for you. Yeah. Cool. Peace out. Goodbye.